Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the DCU Soccer Podcast. Um, we have a pretty uh, beefy episode, I'd say, um, this week. A lot of cool stuff coming. We have um, some doctors coming in, uh, which we're really excited about for an interview later in the podcast. So definitely uh, stay tuned to, to check that out. Um, I'm joined with my co-host. Would you like to introduce yourself again? Hey, what's up? It's Daniel Wise. I'm back again. And uh, man, we've we've been going through a lot, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just kind of happy that soccer is making its way back into kind of the, the public realm rather than, you know, sort of having a black hole of, you know, either little soccer coverage or, you know, if you're going to be nuts like me and actually like search out places that are putting pumping out content about like historical soccer like if you're talking like old 1980s uh fa competitions and whatnot uh or or italy 92 or whatever year that was uh that's that's what i've been consuming also repeats of like ecuadorian soccer on goal tv and stuff like that but luckily you know things well Luckily, unluckily, I don't know. We're still trying to feel this out, but soccer is finally coming back. The Bundesliga has had a couple match day weeks, and uh, you know we're we're excited to see that. But it's a little weird because there's literally no crowd sounds. And and how are you kind of processing that with with what we've been able to watch on on television? Yeah, I mean it's a little weird, especially with like they're they're starting to pump in some artificial stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I follow mostly, you know, the, you know, MLS obviously and, and premier league and, and the championship in England. And those are my main leagues that I, you know, support teams in and, and, and really, uh, enjoy watching. So, you know, I, I do enjoy watching Bundesliga, but it's definitely not in my, my top group usually. So, um, it has been interesting. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it feels like it's kind of watching fake soccer a little bit uh, for, for some of those reasons, but also because, like, you know, it's, it just doesn't quite feel, I don't know, it must be the fans, I guess, but it just doesn't quite feel right. But, you know, I definitely prefer that to, to having nothing, right? So um, that's been really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, overall, uh, besides that, I've, I've been doing pretty well, um, you know, as we're going to talk about later, been following a lot of the, you know, CBA stuff, the, you know, the tournament that's going to come up and, and a lot of that and in anticipation for, for kind of this semi restart. Yeah. And, you know, kind of, kind of still going on the uh, sort of fake soccer thing. <laughs> I like that term. Uh, or, you know, before we get on to some heavier topics, uh, you know, I, I want to say like, I actually kind of like the dead silence in the crowd or in the stadiums because uh, you get a lot of the inside baseball aspect of it where you hear uh, coaches or players kind of barking at each other, you know, either or uh, telling someone to mark, mark man or whatever, uh, or, or coaches giving some sort of directions. I just think that's pretty cool. Like if it has sort of like this pickup game uh, kind of atmosphere and I really dig uh, that sort of thing. Like you, you have, you know, these players that are sort of uh, put on a pedestal as godlike uh, from week to week. But then when you see it as sort of just what it is, just, you know, 22 guys 
on a pitch, uh, there's there's something neat about that. It's kind of like when uh, WWE and um, uh, AEW uh, professional wrestling, uh, if, for those who don't know, um, in the early part of the COVID crisis, they uh, continued their uh, record, you know, sort of live recordings or whatever. They were, you know, still doing shows, but it wasn't live, but they did it at their performance centers or in sort of like a empty arena type of situation for AEW. And what was interesting about that is it started coming off as more of a performance art piece rather than professional wrestling. Cause like WWE did some bits with uh, some, some promos that were like really genuinely funny uh, in how they were kind of like playing with the fact that there was, there was no crowd in the stands uh, and then with AEW, they were like in this, they were in this giant, uh, baseball stadium in Tampa Bay, uh, and, and, you know, just sort of like the weird, um, almost cathedral aspect of that. Like they've got this big Coliseum type of thing around them and there's no people, but they're still doing this show. And so like, that was kind of like a wild thing. So I kind of like for, for this brief moment, I've, I've really kind of enjoyed the no fans allowed uh, thing because we really, really when you think about it fans kind of ruin everything <laughs> uh, when it comes to most things um but no it's 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 i guess it's been unique in that sense so i've kind of enjoyed that yeah yeah no totally i guess um it also helps you kind of uh see see beyond the yeah, obviously you, you hear some of the coaching and and the communication but it can also help you kind of focus on what's actually going on rather than like you know you know, this guy scored a goal in 2006 in this, you know, team, whatever <laughs> kind of commentary that is uh, interesting sometimes, but but not 100% pertinent to the to the game. Um, but yeah, did you uh, want to move on a little bit to, to something a little bit more uh, serious? Yeah, and and really, it just needs to be said. And um, I'm I, I don't I think like in in this stage, I think most of our listeners are are of a, a certain uh, mindset when it comes to this thing. But you know, for for anyone who sort of is is jumping into this, and uh, or maybe as a first time listener, like um, you know, we are very vocal uh, supporters of Black Lives Matter, and. Um, you know, outside of sort of like when things happen, we we are, you know, doing what we can to sort of amplify the message. And, you know, just in this time, it's crucially important to put that message out there, uh, especially during this time where there's a lot of um, messages floating around where this is, you know, uh, uh, organization that's uh, promoting violence and terrorism and all that stuff. Uh, it's it's not, you know, this has never been about, uh, you know, burning down America or anything like that. This has always been about uh, dismantling a lot of the systemic racist racism that exists within our systems. Um, a lot of people don't like hearing that. Uh, they all kind of think, you know, racism disappeared in in the you know late 60s uh but that's just not the fact uh it's become a lot more covert uh in, in sort of like the time since then and actually with uh the you know president that we have now uh it actually has become bold and vocal and very very visible um and and 
you know, right now we'll just say like, you know, we absolutely uh, have no respect for anyone who holds views that that are, you know, counter to um, fighting against racial injustice. Uh, and and we, you know, we we encourage our listeners to you know, support the message of Black Lives Matter, um, support the messages of people in marginalized communities, uh, people of color in, you know, uh, you know, disenfranchised communities. Uh, this is this is a uh, really tough time where, you know, especially with people being home because of COVID-19, they're seeing a lot of this for the first time, sort of like eyes open this is happening and, and it's tough to look away. We don't really have an excuse to look away. Uh, and so right now, you know, it's sort of, we just want to say like, you know, if you want to take it a step further, you know, uh, support the national bailout funds that, that are coming up and helping getting protesters out of jail, uh, who are, who are often wrongfully arrested and then, um, and, and brutalized as well. And to also support organizations that, um, help, these communities, uh, you know, sort of fight this racist system and and help create opportunities uh, for people. So, you know, that's it's it's a tough thing. Um, I, I I have a tough time talking about this without getting um, angry about it uh, because it sucks. And living in D.C., I saw uh, a lot of it with very close personal friends of mine. Um, seeing what they've had to endure, uh, hearing stories they've had, and then also seeing the, the, seeing it in the flesh and, um, it's, it's hard. So, you know, that's, that's pretty much what I want to say about that, you know, support, support the message, uh, support the organizations, you know, if you can get out there, get out there. Uh, it's really important, uh, right now and, and for, for the long run. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, I echo a lot of what, you know, you said. I I think, obviously, uh, a lot of the, you know, recent uh, events, this has kind of, you know, rose this to a lot of people's consciousness um, and, and, and needs to, to rise to more people's consciousness. I mean, if, if it's not extremely obvious, the killing of George Floyd was beyond wrong and beyond... Um, acceptable, um, and, and and sadly, not not the first time we've seen this. Uh, we we know that that more black people get get uh, killed and and hurt by police, um, and and that is wrong. And I think you know you're you're kind of you know starting to see some people who who didn't realize it before starting to realize it. You're starting to see you know people who you know, realized it, but, but didn't speak out as much, starting to speak out more, um, which are both good, but, you know, slowly we are starting to see some reforms, um, across the country, but, you know, those are not enough. I think it's, it's really important. Um, and, and if, if you have any issue with the statement, Black Lives Matter, if you have any issue with, um, you know, the idea that, uh, America has, and, and honestly, a lot of parts of, of the world, but specifically America at this moment, um, have, have issues with systemic racism, um, including, but, but expanding beyond police brutality and, and police killings, then I think you need to do a, a very deep, 
um, you know, thinking period. Like you really need to think about, you know, why you would be upset with something that is uh, so obvious and and so systemic. Um, you know, like I mentioned, this is not just police brutality, um, even though that's, you know, a major thing and is uh, something that, that is critical. I mean, this this extends into the daily lives of, of black people, you know, in, in all kinds of ways, in the way that, you know, the step after the police, the, the criminal justice system in general is, is skewed um, since, you know, for a long time now, we know that that the leaders of this country and different organizations have done things to um, allow them to arrest uh, people of color. We know that, um, you know, there are other places in, in society that this affects, you know, down to, you know, education, funding for certain things, um, down to opportunities that are provided at a, at a very real level, um, job opportunities, um, and, and all kinds of things like that. This is very systemic. Um, but, you know, it, it is unfortunate that it is still dangerous to be a person of color um, and, and dangerous in a way that causes anxiety every time people, you know, leave their, leave their house or, or maybe, and honestly, in, in a lot of these cases, not even having to leave their house um, and getting hurt, which, which is even you know, worse, but, but, you know, th this has got to stop. Um, this is something that, that you need to support. And the fact is, this goes beyond, you know, um, a whole lot of things. This is a very broken system that um, is, is plagued by uh, this, this crazy need for power. Uh, you have police departments in rural states uh, suddenly getting, you know, uh, military-grade equipment, whether it is full-on um, APCs or assault rifles or armor, tactical gear, what have you. Um, it, is, it is a gross show of, of you, know, de, you know, sort of an image of, of wanting to dominate a community rather than protect a community. And it's, um, it's disgusting. And, you know, some people might not see that that way. They see police as, you know, good guys stopping bad guys, but um, you have to look at it um, from the eyes of, of a community that, that is treated very differently uh, and looked at very differently and not just by the police, but by, other people. I mean, this is where I've seen it, where I've been with um, friends who who have been, you know, looked at a funny way at a convenience store, and then once they realize that they're with me, uh, a white a white person, uh, the tone suddenly changes, and they're like, "Oh, this is fine, okay, whatever." Uh, it's it's disgusting when you see something like that, you know, just the way uh, that that people use the police force as a weapon, especially with what you saw in Central Park uh, with the woman who threatened to call a black man uh, on the police and, and, you know, essentially said it like, I'm going to tell them that I, I am with uh, a black man and I feel threatened right now. So that was that was a clear show that people know that it's a weapon, that they're that the police do treat uh, people of color very differently and and they will um very much believe the word of of a person of one race over another 
and it's disgusting and it's it's wrong. So there there needs to be a complete shift in in the system and how uh, crises are responded to, uh, how you know sort of situations are de-escalated, and you know it just it just needs to stop uh, on a whole lot of levels. Um, and that's you know it's it's just kind of tough because there is it is just so much and you you know you want to kind of like talk about it all but there's just so much and so little time in this moment but like i said you know we just want to get it out there that this is what's happening in the world and if you don't like it you know you're you either have to examine like why why you're reacting the way you are how you feel about it, and then you have to look at you know how how can i see this from someone else's perspective and that's so important because no one is doing that right now. They take their position and they don't realize that they're not accounting for the experiences of people they don't know. So that's 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 you know before before I kind of go onto a whole thing <laughs> and, and try to like talk about you know defunding policy and stuff like that. Uh, you know I I'll just kind of keep it at that. Support Black Lives Matter. Support you know the bailout organizations and and support uh, like the Legal Defense Fund and NAACP and and ACLU and and all those organizations that are really trying to fight. Uh, for for marginalized people and people who are really uh, being oppressed. Yeah, very well put. Um, yeah, so just to conclude, um, I guess I would say that the the official uh, policy or, or or position on this is that uh, from the podcast is that you know we feel there there is a lot we can do that we were, will be doing um, and and reflecting upon. Um, but, but our official position is that, you know, Black Lives Matter and what has happened to black people in America for hundreds of years is wrong and it is beyond time for that to be fixed. And so, um, just in case there was any misunderstanding or anything that that's, that's our official, you know, uh, word on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Okay, so we've we've covered that, and you know we'll we'll get into a lighter topic now. Uh, collective bargaining agreements. Ken, uh, did you did you catch what was going on in the last uh, week or so? Well, you know, I, I saw a little bit about this. I didn't dig too deep. I I saw you know that there was um, an original proposal from the MLS for return of play a while back. Um, that was, you know, basically it seemed like, you know, agree to this or, or we're locking you out uh, to the players. Um, and and then it seemed like, you know, the the, the players association did, were like, OK, well, we don't accept this. So uh, good luck. And then the league's tone kind of changed and they kind of uh, were able to, to figure out a, a solution that was. Um, a lot better for for the players, and uh, I think a lot better in a, in in very meaningful ways rather than just you know small things. Um, what uh, what do you think? Well, Don Garber was Don Garber, and he eventually got his way in this, and it was really kind of uh, him taking a nuclear option uh, where he sort of set a deadline where the players would be locked out from their teams. Uh, unless the CBA agreement or yeah, unless they came to an agreement on the CBA and, 
Yeah, he basically sort of played that card. And um, I guess there was a Atlanta United veteran, uh, Jeff Larentovitz, was one of the players. Larentovitz. Yeah, who was who? Don't email us about that. (laughs) Yes, please, please don't. Um, That's that's a very Polish name, and I'm just gonna roll with with what how I said that. Um, But I I just wanted to say that like uh, you know uh, he was he was really a big part of the discussions that were happening between the Players Association and MLS, and really you know he came away from that uh, not feeling the best about you know sort of. Uh, the tactics that were employed uh, by MLS, but ultimately I think the players were given um, a, a little better deal in, in terms of, you know, sort of like the pay cut they'd have to receive. Um, you know, it kind of works out for them. It works out for the teams because obviously this whole COVID-19 thing has uh, thrown a big wrench into a lot of plans. And, you know, one of the things was basically, uh, you know, another problem he had was like, you know, with this return tournament um, that that Garber planned out uh, with the MLS's back tournament in Orlando, uh, how they were going to uh, get, you know, something like 2000 players and coaches and staff and personnel and all of that uh, medical personnel back down to Orlando, you know, for for this period where they're going to be away from family, from home, friends, all of that. Uh, and, and so, you know, ultimately it kind of worked out for everyone the best it, in the best way it could, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's one, it's always one of those things with, with these, um, you know, people, people don't necessarily come away from these types of negotiations happy, uh, but it seems like things more or less worked out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, it, you know, they didn't accept that, that first agreement, uh, um, you know, yeah, the, the league's tactics here was, was something that's not great. Um, so I, I wasn't too happy about that. But, you know, it did seem like eventually they, they got to, to something that was decent. Um, and, and now we have this MLS is back tournament. So that's uh, interesting. Yeah, so the MLS is back tournament is quite possibly, uh, well, you know, someone would argue this is a missed opportunity because if, you know, if anyone remembers last year for the cup final, uh, there was some distinct Seattle Sounders gear that was um, put on display after the fact. This was mostly sort of outside venue vendors, uh, but they were selling caps that had the Seattle Sounders logo. And then it said 2020 MLS World Cup champions. And I'm like, yes, that is like A, the best name ever. And B, you know, just kind of tells you how, you know, sort of what people uh, know about Major League Soccer. But, uh, you know, I, I, I am the type of person who really believes in embracing the memes. That's why, uh, you know, I came up with Olsen's Furry Army. When, when on a on a separate show uh, was talking about the raccoons and other critters uh, that were over at RFK Stadium that they should be brought over to Audi Field and given their own special supporters section. But I, I, there's there's magic in embracing the meme and the MLS is back tournament just sounds way too corporate, way too Gar- Don Garber, and just you know he's trying to make it sound legitimate, but it just sounds boring how about you know what what do you think about that 
Yeah, it's a it's a little strange name. I mean, it's it's very on the nose. Um, like I was telling you earlier. Uh, yeah, I mean, MLS is back, kind of bland. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it's it's also kind of hard to 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 do this. I mean, I, I imagine you know structuring a whole tournament, naming it um, in in like you know a month or two, uh, and and have everything go well or, or be perfect, but. You know, it, and there's a lot of weird stuff around this too. Like, and and I was talking to you about this earlier as well. But like, the the tournament counts towards the regular season, which will you know continue after the tournament. But the tournament also has prize money and a cup, which also uh, qualifies the winning team for CCL next year. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm kind of interested in this. I mean, it sounds like you know a lot to manage, but yeah, that's it's kind of strange. So speaking of man, like you know, uh, what what can you say about the format or or what what's your take with how they're structuring this? Because it's going to be a World Cup style uh, format. You know, they're going to have uh, a group stage where there's basically going to be a match every single day, and then they're going to get on to the uh, knockout round tournament. Can you kind of expound on on some details on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I mean, I don't really know what else you do here uh, with the constraints um, of of you know, they can only keep people in Orlando's for so long, um, and and also the fact that you only have so much time because COVID's taken so much time. Uh, so I mean, I, I guess you know the format you know makes sense in in that once you examine it with all of the uh, you know constraints it 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 makes sense but you know i i I guess i kind of like it i i I do worry a little bit about the amount of games for the players um but you know yeah i mean i don't really know what else you do here well it's one it's the amount of games for the players but there's also the fact that they're going to essentially resume the mls season uh, after the fact for something like 18 weeks, I think was, was the number thrown at there. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So this season or this, uh, world cup, this MLS world cup, I'm going to just call it that because I hate that MLS is back tournament. So anyways, the MLS world cup is going to run from July 8th to August 11th. And basically, uh, players are going to show up on June 24th uh and they're gonna arrive in florida they're playing at the espn wide world of sports complex which is a really impressive like they're not kind of putting them on like a, a jv football field here like the the wide world of sports complex is really impressive it's like sort of you're talking manchester city level uh amenities here so like you know it's it's a very neat thing that they're going into here and you know yeah like like you kind of alluded to earlier uh keeping those players healthy is going to be really important and uh you know we're going to kind of get into that with an interview that we're going to have uh, uh later in this episode so you know stick around for that but um you know yeah it's it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be a lot of soccer uh but you know sort of with those like broadcast times what are your thoughts about how that's being structured uh i mean i i uh you know i think it's fine i i honestly i'm i'm more weirded out uh rather than the the tournament or the games themselves about like the fact that that we both mentioned is that it the regular season comes back that doesn't really seem 
I mean, I don't know. That, I, that doesn't really make sense to me. Um, because, like, all, all, all of these count toward the regular season, but, like, and, and maybe I haven't read enough of this, but, like, well, what happens if you make it past the first round? Do those results count? Uh, like, I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions. Um, but also, like, what happens with, you know, th- what happens, like, what's the schedule look like for the rest of the season then, um, which we don't know as well. So those are the things that I am I feel really weird about, but, and also the name, but whatever. <laughs> I, think, I think for the most part, like, you know, I think this is mostly just to create some type of excitement and dress a glorified, like, preseason thing uh as as a a major tournament or whatever um there's gonna be a million dollar prize pool at the end and obviously like you know mls is just trying to get some kind of uh tv revenue going here uh because you know once once mls comes back i i believe fans will still be barred from the stadium so like we're still gonna have uh empty stadiums uh, which is going to be a huge hit to a lot of teams' budgets. Um, so it's just it's just so so strange right now. But you know, kind of getting into the times, uh, the there's going to be breakfast soccer every day, uh, starting at 9:30. Then they're going to have a 3:30 match, followed by 8 o'clock, I think, and then 10:30 or something like that. Um, but that's pretty much the format they're going to do for the first uh, couple of weeks of this tournament, and then they'll break off into the knockout rounds. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, really this is – so the way they kind of said it is that this is – they're doing this tournament, and then they're going to announce the uh, remaining MLS schedule after the fact. So, again, I don't know. I'm biased. I'm not digging this whole thing. I'd rather they just sort of like bring it back to uh, doing regular season Major League Soccer. But Garber's going to Garber and, you know, I you can't really stop him. And that's how I'm going to just deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, uh, I don't mind the times too much. Um, I think it'll be kind of cool because like it literally means you could watch stuff a lot. <laughs> And um, it, it also kind of reduces the, like, because a lot of times, you know, in the regular season, you, you have games on, on certain days, and you can only really watch one or two of the games. And so there's, but there's, like, you know, 10 or whatever going on. Um, so this should should expose people to, to a lot more different teams and, and stuff, which I really, really like. What, but, one bright part about this is the fact that, like, I think what's being adopted sort of in a lot of, or most, if not all the leagues around the world, um, is the five substitute uh, change. So instead of having three substitutes throughout an entire game, uh, there there are five now. So I think that, you know, creates a, a better chance, you know, especially for players who receive knocks, uh, you know, they don't, they don't have to feel so pressure or have to like, you know, get back out on the field uh, and, and, play injured if like there's a substitution especially if it's a, a you know course where like you know uh, a team's ahead and you know uh, a coach can sort of decide like hey you know let's just hold and you know uh, you know live to fight another day with this player rather than uh, risk an, an injury getting exasperated so uh, yeah you know the five subs that's great you know much better than three uh, and, and I'm sure for coaches, it gives them 
uh, some really good options, especially if a player is out of form and they're showing it on the field. Or, yeah, if a player gets hurt, they just have a lot more options at their disposal. Or if, like, a red card happens, you know, they they still have options available in that regard as well. So it's a, it's a really good change, and, uh, yeah, I fully support that. Yeah, I mean, hopefully uh, Olsen uses them. Usually, you know, we kind of wait around for him to make <laughs> subs, so... You know, it'd be it'd be real, you know, uh, funny, I guess I should say, um, if if we have five subs and, and Olsen still uses one in the, the 90th minute. Um, but uh, fair, he did. He has owned up to that mistake from that match against Colorado, you know, using no subs. He did own up to that. And, and so hopefully, hopefully, yeah, that is something he, he does pay a lot more mind to uh, going forward. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, did you want to talk about the group and kind of the the draw a little bit uh, uh, heading heading into the tournament? Yeah, so this is semi hot off the presses. Uh, the uh, MLS announced the group stages in on, on the eleventh, uh, and and again, this whole tournament just has Garber written all over it because the the group stage draws were basically let's make sure we have some type of rivalry matchup in all of these groups except for dc united and new york red bulls like that's just stupid because mls always wants to deny that dc united and ny red bulls is not a rivalry but it is and i'm very mad that it's not part of this draw but we do have a, a solid rival in our in our group, and we have uh, the New England Revolution, and then they will be joined with uh, Toronto and Montreal. So not not you know oh gosh, you and I we aren't the most optimistic when it comes to this team this year, but uh, I guess my initial take is like we can get second, right? Uh, but I'm sort of like, man, Toronto's strong, and, and Montreal under Henri is, they look decent. And, and so, I don't know, uh, it's it's tough to tell, exa- and especially after this long break that the team's had, uh, how DC United is going to come out of this. So, you know, are you on the ledge with me, or, or do you have the grit to, like, talk me away from the ledge? Yeah, I mean, I'll talk you uh, away from the ledge, but probably not in the direction you were hoping. <laughs> Ah, um, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I was initially. I mean, obviously, I think uh, this is a pretty easy group com- comparatively to, to the other ones. Um, so I think, you know, it, it's a group that we should uh, you win. We should win this. Uh, I, I think. Um, you know, Toronto was was obviously a really strong team last year, uh, but you know, I. With our talent and, and the players we have, and and honestly the depth that we have, uh, you know, and we have a lot, lot of young people uh, on the team now that, that we've called up, um, I I think we should be able to win this, uh, and and uh, uh, but I don't think we will, <laughs> to to kind of um, be a little bit pessimistic, you know, I think with you know with the two games we we played we looked pretty, pretty rough. Uh, and, and those were against the, the Rapids and the expansion team, uh, Miami, um, you know, and, and we looked sluggish and slow after a break. So I expect that to continue, um, even though, 
you know, I don't know, right? Like, it's it's hard to say, but um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel us coming coming uh, in last here. Uh, you know, Revolution under Arena has looked strong. Um, Montreal is a little gritty usually. Uh, they did some 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 cool stuff in in CCL, which obviously is is delayed or canceled or whatever. Um, so uh, yeah, I I, I kind of see us not doing too well, unfortunately, uh, and and it sucks to say, but but that's kind of my gut feeling here. I mean, so I, I mean, obviously, you know, we don't feel like DC can win the tournament, but group stage, do you really feel like we won't make it out of there at least, or you know, uh, or or do I guess I guess if we don't make it out, can we at least get third? Can you get can you give us that? <laughs> you know. Well, I guess I guess over who though? That's that's kind of the tough question there. It's like if if you really, I mean, if you look at it, like you could definitely make the argument that you know DC is the weakest team here um, in in terms of you know not in terms of talent uh, or or, or how, you know the, the players. I think in, in that regard we're, for we're sure, up there for sure, yeah, or, or, or number one, absolutely not, yeah, yeah. I think we're number one in that and, and probably number one, you know, in, in a lot of the, the groups um, or, or up there. But, you know, I mean, it's it's just so hard to say after the last couple of years. I mean, last 10 years, maybe. But, um, you know, I just don't see us coming up there. Uh, but what I would say is, you know, if we if we come out strong uh, and, and finish top, uh, I would say, I kind of feel us, you know, you know, Olsen's the kind of coach that if he can get some momentum and some buy-in, then he can kind of use that to kind of push us far, right? Like we saw that um, in that Magic Rooney and, and Acosta year. Uh, so I kind of feel like, you know, if we do reach up there in the top there, um, kind of, you know, will it out and and, and win, uh, I think we could take it all, uh, <laughs> which, you know, obviously it's a lot of... Um, you know that's that's a big claim to make and 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 requires uh, us to do well in this group stage. But you know I I don't think we should count ourselves out. You know we we technically could come come in and and really want this. Uh, you know th- there's a lot of positive uh, vibes in in the club right now. You know the the club speaking out for Black Life Black Lives Matter. Um, I think you know I, I I think a lot of the players are motivated um, and ready to be back. And you know. I could I could see that too, but you know, past performance has not given me too much optimism here. Now, yeah, so like like we said, you know, it's it's not necessarily we aren't lacking in talent. Like the players are are very good. Um, I I have a, a certain amount of respect for for Ben and what he does as a coach. I know he's he's a very div- divisive figure, but um, you know, especially during the time that we did a lot of our research looking into the history of DC United, uh, I came to really appreciate him uh, as a player and and sort of sort of what you know how he's become a, a bit more public facing lately. Uh, he's had some really good interviews, and so um, you know. Yeah, it's divisive, but I think like the the big thing is just, you know, this this team is is very thin uh, in certain 
spots in, in terms of the roster. So, you know, um, we, we talked to a couple of really good doctors who, who have been working uh, extensively with the players in the last uh, few months, you know, with, with the stoppage in play and then, um, you know, dealing with COVID-19 and now this return to action. Uh, you know, do you want to take a moment to introduce the next segment? Yeah, I mean, like Daniel said, uh, we have some doctors from Ortho, Virginia with us, um, and we'll, we'll have them introduce themselves. And, and I thought, you know, this, this was a really great interview. So definitely, you know, stay tuned and check it out uh, with us here. Uh, and we'll be back in a minute. And welcome back. Uh, this week, um, as you might be able to tell by the title, we have some special guests uh, to the show. Um, would you like to introduce yourselves? My name is Dave Novak. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. And my name's uh, Mike Antonis. Uh, I'm a sports medicine uh, trained uh, emergency physician. Cool. And uh, welcome to the show. Uh, would you like to give us a little background on like, you know, um, more about what, what the clinic does and, and how that relates to, to the team um, and kind of your parts uh, in that? So uh, we basically manage the, any orthopedic injuries. So the, that, that would involve any injuries to uh, ligaments, bones, joints, uh, soft tissue, uh, sprains and strains. <clears throat> During the season, uh, we're sort of responsible for um, the health and maintenance of the players. Uh, this can involve uh, using uh, ultrasound to do some diagnostic testing in the uh, training room. Um, as well as um, we're involved with uh, concussion management and uh, making sure that uh, the preseason physicals, orthopedic and medical are cleared um, so that the uh, players, when they come in preseason, um, are, uh, you know, as uh, healthy as they can be. And during the season, we're responsible as, uh, as the orthopedic sports uh, physicians, we're responsible for evaluating any of the um, uh, orthopedic-related injuries uh, that, that happen both uh, during practice and in the games, and then managing those uh, injuries along with uh, Mike uh, as our uh, medical director uh, for, the, for the players. Cool. Yeah, definitely uh, a lot there and a lot of um, responsibility, obviously. Um, we have a couple questions here. I think the, the first one that, um, you know, I'm definitely curious about, um, and I'm sure a lot of the, the fans and listeners will be as well. Um, obviously, we, we've had some time off for, uh, for, for the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, about three months, uh, 90 days around. And, um, you know, th this pause might, might affect the players, you know, obviously, probably mentally, you know, dealing with the stress of, of a lot of the stuff that's happened recently. Um, pandemic and and also uh, some of the other uh, cultural stuff, but you know physically, um, how, how should we expect this this pause to impact the the team and and uh, the individuals as well as the the collective? I think uh, if, when we uh, we we are uh, blessed to have uh, Goody as our uh, head athletic trainer, and they we have been incredibly he has been incredibly proactive in making sure that the players uh, remain in excellent shape with uh, individualized exercise protocols that they've been following. Um, so although we haven't necessarily been in a practice situation uh, for this duration, 
they've, they've maintained excellent physical health and uh, strength and conditioning and agility drills uh, during, during this period of time on their own. Cool. Yeah, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I know. I know it. it you know, tra- training on your own is, is definitely super helpful. But I guess that that um, that you know, game game speed and stuff and, and cutting and and stuff can can have an impact as well. Um, but uh, Daniel, did you want to ask uh, the next question? Yeah. So uh, you know. With with this happening, the world's really had to kind of adjust on the fly. Uh, you have leagues, uh, you know, in Europe who are trying different things uh, in, in terms of player safety. So, uh, you know, just want to know, will fancy less strenuous games because there has been such a long break uh, with the season con- so condensed? Will players have to regulate their exertion? So that's a great question. And, you know, this goes uh, a long way to the sort of uh, advancement of the technologies we have and the testing that we do in the preseason. So even though um, we had this break and the guys uh, played uh, two games uh, before the break, um, we had gone through a full uh, training camp um, and training regiment. All of the guys, when they first come in, um, are tested for you know manual strength, uh, Gabby, who's uh, our physical therapist, as, as well as uh, Goody, who's the head athletic trainer, both have extensive experience with muscle testing and performance. We have uh, a tremendous amount of technology provided to us um, by the ownership of DC United um, that involves sort of heart rate monitors, accelerometers, so that we can sort of manage uh, the players and their exertion levels uh, through the games. Um, so we can see if somebody is working uh, a little bit too hard and we need to back off on them for the next game, or if their heart rate's going uh, above a certain point at, or it's going down, which tells us that uh, they're getting a little tired, um, or if we see their speed drop. And uh, there's a lot of... Um, um, sort of science behind the ability of an athlete to maintain top performance um, over a long season. So there's these you know peaks and valleys and what we try to do is we try to level it off. So um, you'll see you know different sports call it different things. They call it professional days, veterans days, but what they are are recovery days. And based upon how much activity um, that the players are doing during the games, we can monitor them and say, okay, uh, this group performed this many change of directions, this much acceleration, this many um, runs, they covered this amount of mileage, we need to back them off this much during the game. And it's the same principle, I don't know if you guys stick around to the end of the game, You'll see, like, uh, you know, Gabby or Goody or Ben, one of our other athletic trainers, um, out there running with some of the guys on the field. And you're like, why are they doing that? Well, they're trying to maintain their fitness because if they didn't get into the game, um, they want to make sure that they are fit for the next game because you never know what's going to happen with with a game and the next game or someone getting hurt. Or, okay, um, someone, uh, you know, was above and beyond their 
um, sort of measured uh, criteria, and um, we try to back them off the following game. So all this sort of goes into a formulation uh, that we follow uh, throughout the year, and those monitors you see underneath there uh, uniforms are extremely important. So those are on the players when they go out to practice as well as during the games. And all that information um, is calculated and maintained very closely um, so that we can maintain a good product throughout the entire year um, as well as maintain their health, which is first and foremost, which we want to do and uh, make sure that they're in peak performance. So I do not Long answer, I do not see a uh, drop in their performance since they've had a, a layoff like this. These guys are chomping at the bit to get back and compete. I mean, these guys are competitors. This is a great team, and it's a, a great coach, Ben, and um, all the staff uh, involved with them, and as well as Dave uh, p- putting a great team together um, for, for D.C. and uh, you know the DMV area. Yeah, no, totally. That that sounds like uh, a lot of tracking and, and a lot of stuff you got to maintain there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like pretty good news overall um, that, that, you know, it kind of feels like it, it might not be t- too less less stren- strenuous. Um, I guess the, the uh, natural follow-up question might be, should we, you know, expect to see more injuries due to, you know, the, the you know, amount of games being played in shorter times um, and and tournament style of, of this? I think it's a great question. I, I think what we'll have to be aware of is uh, basically the, the uh, amount of time that each of the players is actually spending in practice and on the field uh, because it is a condensed schedule. Um, and there will be, uh, you know, the tournament style play with a number of games spaced closely together. I think we'll need to keep a close eye on that. However, uh, as Mike said, I, I think the players are going to come into this ready to go in excellent physical condition. Um, as long as we maintain their their high levels of um, pregame workout, stretching, strengthening, uh, conditioning exercises and, and good cardiovascular health overall. Uh, I, I'm very hopeful that we will not see any uh, significant increase in, in the amount of injuries as a result. Okay, that's great. And, you know, I'm the coaches, you know, they, they often have to balance uh, sort of like that competitive aspect of, you know, pushing their players to win the game. Uh, but what advice is given to the coaching and training staff uh, for something like this? So, you know, that's difficult to answer because from our standpoint our goal is to give the coaches full access and ability to put whatever formation and whatever player they want into the game for as as long as the player can perform Um, one of the things that i think is going to be a little bit more tricky is the fact that it's being played in florida in the heat of july that's why um, obviously people were asking about why these weird times, why are they starting a game at 10 o'clock at night? Well, if anyone has ever been in Florida in July, you know that the heat and humidity is pretty intense. So um, there will be certainly somewhat of an advantage to some of the guys that are, you know, down in Florida already. 
um, or more southern warmer climates with higher humidity um, because they're going to be acclimated to that weather. Uh, the one thing that they've done for the tournament style is uh, uh, MLS, and I applaud them for this because I think it's important, require the teams to be down there um, for a um, certain amount of time just so the players get time to acclimate to that weather and, and that heat because it's much different in uh, you know, uh, Orlando, Florida than it is in Toronto, Canada. So, you know, that acclimatization is, uh, is important for their fitness and their safety. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, even at 10 PM, it can be a little rough, honestly. So, um, (laughs) yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, critical there. I guess the, the other thing that the league is doing, um, is expanding the amount of substitutions that you can do per game. Um, and also, I think they're they're cutting out overtime and stuff like that, or extra time. Um, you know, is there is there anything specifically around uh, you know substitutions that that might be important uh, for the coaching staff during this? So the expansion of substitutions always is a dual-edged sword, right? Because you will go into a game, and uh, I'm not going to pretend to be a coach, but you have a formation you want to do. You have a plan. Um, based upon uh, the opposing team as well as your current strengths and your players' strengths. So having an expanded um, substitution allows uh, a little bit more flexibility, so a little bit more uh, change of uh, tactics, change of formations. Um, But the difficult thing with soccer is, you know, once you – pull out a certain player, um, whether they're in, you know, the nine or the 10 spot, um, for example, um, sure, they could drop back in the formation um, with certain players. But if you take out someone and another person gets hurt, then your tactics kind of backfire because you are now forced to play in the even different formation that you were uh, planning before. So you've got to be cautious with the substitutions because you may drastically change the impact of the players and the game. And also understand that when you're playing tournament style games with so many games within a shortened amount of time, you, you want to save some of the players as much as you can uh, without giving up uh, too much of an advantage or uh, losing a game that you would have uh, won. So I think the one thing that is going to be really difficult is uh, playing the games without the fans, especially in the you know DMV, because uh, I've, I've been in multiple stadiums across uh, the league and uh, – when you're standing there at the center uh, of Audi Field, where I stand as venue medical director, um, and he, you start hearing the screaming eagles just start going into their chants, and you, you see Bill make a great save, and you start hearing Bill, Hamid, Bill, Bill, Hamid. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. And you see Bill in the background, and he's you know sh- he's shaking his head because he he hears it. He hears it. And they all hear it when the red smoke gets popped. And, uh, you know, the, the stadium just erupts on a goal. That's going to be hard to replace. I mean, the players, as you know, at the end of the game, always salute the fans. And 
it is going to be hard to break that tradition. Um, and it's, it's going to be something that's going to be hard to replace. Um, but I, I think in order for us to start getting back to normal, we need to start getting back to competition and hopefully the fans can get back sooner rather than later. Cause with soccer, it's, it's, it's a passion. It's, it's in your heart. It's, it's, it's so much more than the sport. I had the chance last season uh, to be at the, the last playoff game and to see Audi field rocking with uh, 20,000 people in attendance that that just, it brings a whole new uh, vibrancy to, to DC and uh, to the team and the excitement level that's, that's there is absolutely palpable. And, and it's really something to, uh, to be a part of. And, uh, and, and we're lucky to be a part of it. It's uh, fantastic for the, for the city. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's even if they had continued playing games, it's not really the same. And with this tournament, it obviously will be great to to kind of get some entertainment and some some lo- relatively local soccer on TV. Uh, but you know, the the feeling of you know tailgating and going to the stadium and chanting with everyone and seeing all your friends um, is unreplaceable. So that's definitely something we're we're all sad about. Um, but yeah. Uh, for sure but i i i think once the games start start going on you're gonna uh, start seeing uh once they get you know into different phases you get you know up to 50 people at a at a uh location i think you're gonna see the uh, screaming eagles and all the the dmv fans really sort of have their own uh um sort of uh watch parties all around the city in, in different locations. And I think that will also be really cool. That'd be great. Great that to have you back. So, you know, this is, this kind of goes a little bit beyond, you know, kind of like the competition, but uh, you know, obviously with uh, how the world's been affected with uh, COVID-19, um, you know, what, what's been sort of the, uh, or, or, how have you really sort of instilled like the importance, you know, with the players, how have the players taken to like your instruction as far as uh, how to deal with that? And, and, you know, uh, how are you trying to, you know, treat them and, and sort of like, you know, with, with that in mind, and then also to remind them, uh, you know, of what they need to do uh, sort of on the field or, or just kind of in their daily lives uh, in, in that regard. You know, I think that's, that's something that is extremely important. We are so lucky, like I said, to have an experienced head athletic trainer like Goody, um, because these are unique times, and uh, the players realize that. Um, and we have to be extremely vigilant um, with regards to hygiene, maintenance of facilities. There's got to be coordinated effort within the team and the team trainers as well as the team staff the team equipment staff um, to make sure that all the uh, implementations that we use with practice whether they be uh, you know cones or uh, uh, dummies goals any of those have to be cleaned thoroughly the players are constantly reminded about um social distancing where the importance of wearing a mask you can't you can't walk more than 20 feet uh without seeing a sign reminding you wash your hands cough into your arm um they're constantly 
reminded um, to um, never let their guard down at this point in time uh, because this is a unique experience uh, and uh, the testing that the league has mandated is extremely strict um, with very tight timelines um, with regards to COVID, which is, I think, you have to um, for player safety. And, um, you know, we've been talking about resumption of play and having meetings about resumption of play since uh, basically the end of February. Uh, I'm sorry, not the end of February, um, end of um, March, uh, once they started uh, shutting everything down, because we we always try to use that data to sort of figure out how are we going to restart? So there's been a constant communication within the league and from the league um, in regards to uh, what we need to do for health and well-being of the players and and put a great product on for the uh, fans. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially with COVID being, you know, uh, affecting your respiratory systems and, and stuff like that, it could be, you know, really dangerous for the players and, and, and potentially their careers as well, which, you know, is, is obviously a huge thing for, for someone whose career already is, is not long lived. Um, yeah. So um, I think the uh, I that's most of my questions. Daniel, did you have uh, another one? That's pretty much it on my end. Also, you know, let us know about and let the listeners know about, you know, your clinic and, and where they can find more information about that and, and potentially yourselves as well. Uh, sure. So I'm with Ortho Virginia, and we're a statewide orthopedic group. Uh, we have uh, multiple offices uh, all over Virginia. We're con- my particular group is concentrated in uh, Northern Virginia uh, around Metro DC, uh, and we have 10 offices uh, in that location. Uh, we have doctors that specialize in multiple different areas. Uh, I'm fellowship trained in sports medicine, so uh, we tend to treat most of the athletic injuries of the shoulder and knee. We have hand, uh, foot and ankle specialists, spine, um, and, uh, and joint replacement surgeons as well. Uh, but we're a multifaceted group, and we also have uh, surgery centers and physical therapy, MRI. So we, we try to take care of uh, patients of all ages. Uh, our youngest soccer players to our uh, older weekend warriors. So, uh, yeah, Mike Antonis and I've uh, been with Ortho Virginia the last couple of years. Um, I'm actually ER trained uh, for 14 years, and then I did a sports medicine fellowship. Um, I specialize in um, sports medicine injuries, uh, ultrasound, ultrasound diagnostics, um, regenerative medicine, um, including PRP, uh, bone marrow, as well as uh, lipoaspirate, uh, which we perform at uh, uh, five of our clinics in Northern Virginia. Um, and uh, we also perform these on uh, DC United players uh, that, that require it, as well as uh, all the elite athletes in the area from uh, high school all the way to uh, triathlon uh, athletes. And uh, we want to uh, our goal is uh, to make uh, people uh, uh, stronger and uh, be able to perform all the activities they want um, on a daily basis. Awesome. Uh, that, that sounds great. Um, please, you know, check, th- check that out, uh, everyone. 
Um, but yeah, again, thank you, like Daniel said, for, for having the time to come on here. Um, and, you know, I know time is, you know, hard to spend outside of, you know, trying to get much needed relaxation for everyone, but uh, we really, really appreciated it. Uh, it so. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, you made this uh, uh, pretty easy for us and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, the uh, the team's, uh, you know, um, is super excited and, uh, you know, we'll be uh, I'll be seeing uh, most of the guys tomorrow for their sort of reentry physicals um, just to make sure everyone's in tip top shape um, after we get all the uh, testing back um, so that we can hopefully start uh full team practices awesome that's that's really exciting thank you guys so much for coming on our, our show uh you know i'm over in the midwest so i i know it's uh getting a little late uh over there in the evening so we really appreciate you guys uh taking some time out of your day especially on a friday uh to come and uh talk with us so cheers to that Cool. Uh, thank you so much uh, for, for uh, the doctors uh, hanging out with us and, and kind of, um, you know, giving us some insight uh, that we, you know, obviously didn't have, um, but, but also, you know, kind of, you know, quelling a little bit of our fears. It seems like they're, they're prepared, uh, the, the players and, and staff are prepared for this, and they've been talking about it for a while. So, you know, that, that's really good to hear. For sure. And, you know, I guess, yeah, we've, we've covered a lot. This is, this has actually been a pretty long show, you know? Uh, so, you know, we're just excited for, for soccer to be back and, uh, you know, just kind of, again, just want to uh, say that, you know, we absolutely support black lives matter and we're always going to uh, support it. We're always going to voice it. Um, and, and, you know, the important thing is just, uh, creating allyship and, and really uh, supporting these groups. Um, and, and DC United has really stepped up with uh, what they did at Audi Field, uh, having the words, I can't breathe and black or uh, BLM uh, painted onto the field uh, was a, a really good statement from the team. And then, you know, kind of following up with that, uh, they, they had a very good um, kind of video podcast uh, called Critical Conversations uh, about racial injustice. And this was a conversation led by uh, Bill Hamid, uh, and it was joined by Coach Ben Olson, uh, former teammates of, of Hamid's, uh, Rodney Wallace and Charlie Davies, Davies and then um, a uh, activist and um, advocate came on uh, for, for civil rights uh, was Charity Blackwell. And they just had a, a, a you know, a deep, you know, pre pretty deep hour long conversation about, you know, what their personal experiences have been, uh, you know, kind of wrapping, you know, sort of unpacking and unwrapping a lot of what's happened recently. And then, you know, sort of uh, you know, talking about, you know, how the league's been responding and, uh, you know, it's just a really good conversation. So highly uh, suggest, you know, that people give that a look. And then I want to shout out the National Women's Soccer League, which is coming back on June 27th. And uh, they're actually going to be the first, uh, as far as I can tell, the first uh, professional league that's going to be back in action. And they're basically doing what MLS is doing, minus uh, a re 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 or a resuming of a regular season. But they're just going to do a month-long 
uh, tournament called the uh, NWSL Challenge Cup, and that's going to be taking place in Utah. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you're able to catch those games, definitely catch them, uh, support the women. And, uh, you know, that's just really important. Then lastly, DC United, they, they highlighted uh, Moses Nyman, who, who is a homegrown very young player, uh, but they had a great interview with him, and it's a pretty slickly produced video, you know, for for a kid who's still, you know, kind of a young teenager. Uh, I'm sure it's all blowing his mind as as far as like the experience he's having right now. But you know, uh, I I hope he turns into something special for you know DC United, but also flourishes as a player in his career. Yeah, I got to some some chances to see him play uh, Loudon last year, and you know he's very talented, very gifted, um, kind kind of a game changer in the midfield, um, you know, uh, in a couple of those games. Uh, and so I know that the DC United thinks very highly of him, obviously, um, but you know, yeah, he's a really exciting prospect. Uh, a lot of the the young the young guys are, but you know Moses has kind of a, a special touch uh, to him on the ball. But yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the critical conversations. I, I had a chance to catch that when it was live. Um, it was very good. Uh, I thought, you know, it, it was very uh, interesting seeing Ben Olsen on there and, and kind of responding to, to, you know, some of the, the questions and, 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 you know, having the courage to kind of go on there. But, you know, more importantly, I thought it was awesome to see Bill Hamid, obviously, because I mean, obviously everyone loves Bill Hamid. Um, and, and, and seeing Charlie Davies again um, as well. But, but you know, what a great group there. Uh, and, and I thought it was really cool. Um, and there's some, some you know, uh, some artistic poetry and stuff. So definitely check that out um, if you have a chance. Um, and, yeah, like you mentioned, the, the NWSL is coming back as well. Uh, and, you know, definitely watch that. I know... You all don't have that much soccer to watch, so there really isn't too much excuse not not to watch that uh, on on June 27th and forward. So definitely check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I wanted to talk a little bit about you know so, some you know closing closing notes here. Uh, definitely, if you're interested, leave, leave a comment uh, or review, I guess, on on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, if you do so, we'll we'll definitely read it out on the air. Um, and yeah, definitely also check out our, you know, four part series on the championship games, uh, from DC United. Uh, you know, th th those years were, were really awesome and, and we kind of recapped it over our time off, um, which, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I felt really proud of that work and, and having that, that little group there. I, I was really proud and I did plug this, uh, when I was a guest on the DC United Kingdom show, uh, last week, um, yeah, it is. It, we worked entirely way too hard on this show. And, you know, but but like we, you know, we care about this team so much. And it was just a fun project to research these these championships that happened uh, well before, you know, I sort of came into the fold of the club. Uh, so so I was just super excited to just kind of go through all of that. Um, and, and yeah, all the research that we did uh, just just was a lot. And so, you know, anyone who, who listens to it and, and, uh, 
supports us like you know we just we just really appreciate that and uh you know we hope you enjoy uh the retrospective and and hopefully that's what keeps you around to listen to us more because uh we're for sure uh the type who want to do more projects like that going forward you know we'll be we'll be thinking some stuff up and so you know if you have any ideas or or any things you'd like us to discuss we'd be more than happy to hear that out and uh you know share those thoughts uh in future episodes yep and uh we'll be back soon with, with another episode um uh and and i'm hoping to get you know maybe more details on on uh or maybe i'll inform myself more with with the tournament um since the draw is so recent uh kind of be interesting um to to learn more and and really examine all of the groups but yeah for now uh thank you and please leave a review yeah thank you and uh yeah you know i'm excited there's gonna be a lot of soccer so this was a good episode um and and uh you know some some tough discussions but but uh i'm i'm just relieved that soccer's going to be back and you know appreciate everyone listening in and uh you know you can find me on social media uh mainly on instagram and twitter but you can find me at s dakota soccer and yeah would love to talk with anyone who wants to you know learn about soccer or or learn about dc united uh you know love sharing that type of knowledge with people so find me on there yep and you can find the show on twitter as well at dcu underscore soccer um along with some i guess not too hot takes but but you know fun stuff i guess but uh yeah see you next time come to me for the hot takes i'm i'm all about those (laughs) yeah and then email email daniel about them (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) cool all right see you next time